thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, we are joined by Marcus Pierce. Most of you should be familiar with Marcus from his work with The Wellness Couch and beyond, and he's a very big part of how we get to reach you guys every week. Um, He is the CEO of Australia's number one health and lifestyle podcast network, The Wellness Couch, and in 2014, created the Exceptional Life Blueprint, which we'll hear more about shortly. I'm so excited to have Marcus join us today. And hi, Marcus. Welcome to the show. Oh, Steph, it is so awesome to be on The Real Food Real. (laughs) You are one of the true rock stars of The Wellness Couch, and to be on here is a blessing. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's uh, about time, I think. It's taken us a little while to get our schedules together, but super excited for my crew to hear more from you. So, yeah, I mean, I obviously gave a little bit of a background, but there's so much more. Set the scene for us with a bit of your history. Oh, well, pull me up if I go for too long. But um, short story is I grew up a sports-obsessed, wannabe, Eddie Maguire, Bruce McAvaney kind of guy. Um, Always thought I'd be the next one of those. Um, Went down the path of studying journalism. Um, We're both Melbourne. Well, I know you're Townsville, but uh, I know you're in Melbourne now. So I went to RMIT, studied journalism, and then um, did the sports media thing for quite some time. Worked it in radio, then worked at the footy show at Channel 9, um, Commonwealth Games, Melbourne, uh, back, you know, 10 plus years ago. And then met my wife, Sarah, who's a chiropractor by profession. And that really changed uh, my philosophies on a lot of things. When I met Sarah, I was smoking. I was drinking. I was a real workaholic journo. Um, I loved my life, you know, very much a work hard, play hard, you know, early to mid-20s lifestyle, which was great. But I realized very quickly that um, I was really into personal growth. I still am to this day, obviously. But I'd always skipped over the health sections. Um, when you smoke and you eat a pretty terrible diet as I did, you would be really good at improving a lot of areas of your life, but you know, you'd skip over anything to do with improving health. Um, and so having a girlfriend that was a chiropractor was a great thing because I realized very quickly, particularly after a footy show night, I'd be, you know, I'd have a couple of beers after the show. I'd, you know, smoke a few more cigarettes. I'd get home sometimes at three or four in the morning. I couldn't be bothered having a shower. Well, would go straight into the bed and my new girlfriend smells a massive walking cigarette come into the doona. Now, anyone listening that has a value on health and cannot stand the thought of a cigarette, you wouldn't want that walking into your bed in the middle of the night. Um, And so that really kind of prompted me to want to make a shift in my life. And um, so did that over the course of a few years. Again, to cut a long story short, went vegan, stopped smoking, stopped drinking for about five or six years. Went pretty extreme on a number of factors, um, but then realized that, that, you know, the extreme behavior probably wasn't for me. Um, And then as you say, um, 
started with the Wellness Couch back in 2011 or 12. Um, the Wellness guys, who were the original founders, really they wanted to run these events, which which you and I both know as the Wellness Summit, but they weren't really too sure how to go about it. And so with my TV background particularly, um, I was able to help set up the Wellness Summit. Um, and then um, and naturally enough, with, with Damien started 100 Not Out, I have a massive, um, massive, uh, I suppose, a magnificent obsession with longevity and mm. why some people live a great long life and why some people don't. Um, and then and then what came from that was this exceptional life blueprint that you speak of because it was just a, there was a pattern emerging. The more research I did, the more people that I interviewed um, that people um, are living their life. We all have these ingredients of our life. Um and I talk about eight ingredients, but most of us have them in the wrong order. We're making the recipe of our life, and um, there's a recipe for an exceptional life, and there's a recipe for a mediocre life. And, and sadly, most people have got the recipe for a mediocre one, but not quite doing what it takes to live an exceptional life. So now I'm really all about it's a corny one liner, but I help people transform from mediocre to magnificent in every area of their life. And um, still love my sport, but transition from sports media to personal growth media. And here we are today. Absolutely. And I just love what you're doing with ELB, as you call it. So exceptional life blueprint. Um, Really important because, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with this, that some people aren't really aware of that life by design concept, which I think you teach so well in terms of that exactly that word, you know, being magnificent and being able to take control of those areas of your life and and create the life that you really want to live. So I love that concept. Oh, thank you. It's interesting though, isn't it? We've become obsessed with mastering one area of our life and, and we can say this on the Real Food Real, I said on pretty much all the Wellness Couch podcasts, like, you know, nutrition's become an obsession for so many people and they might master their nutrition. They might be low-carb, high-fat, they might be paleo, they might be vegan, they might be gluten-free, but they're sitting at a job they can't stand in a relationship that they really don't feel empowered in. They're not making time to catch up with their friends and for some reason, they think that they can put good fuel in the car but not move the car, so they hardly exercise. They're spending more than they earn and they've lost their sense of self. Um, and I don't mean to sound brutal, but that's that's not an that's not an um, that's not an uncommon you know yeah. identity for many people to have. It's like their identity is all wrapped up in their food, and they've lost the art of having a high standard in other areas of their life. Yeah, so true. And it's the art to master every area, which I think is really important. Um, yeah. But I do I do love your interest in longevity, and I did want to um, segue there because. We've obviously seen in the media um, in recent weeks the Greek island of Ikaria has been, um, well, it was on Sunday night on Channel 7, but I feel like the conversation is is definitely there now and I'll, I'll leave it to you to sort of introduce that topic, but maybe if you could talk more about what was recently on TV um, and we'll explore that together. Yeah, for sure. So you're right. It is becoming a more, um, yeah, accepted, you know, conversation. This discussion around longevity and mm. uh, Sunday night. It's, it's so hard to say Sunday night because everyone thinks that we're saying just a few nights ago. But yeah. the TV show called Sunday Night on Channel Seven recently, uh, Denham Hitchcock went over to Ikaria, this Greek island known as the island where people forget to die. They have 80% less dementia, uh, 50% less heart disease, 20% less cancer. Um, you know, but they drink wine every day they many of them smoke um 
They don't have the quote-unquote the perfect diet. They eat bread and so on and so forth. And um, so naturally enough, a lot of media are going over there to kind of discover their secret. It's a really good angle that humanity is still obsessed with. You know, what is the silver bullet? What mm. is the fountain of youth? And so uh, places like Ikaria, um, which really probably came to fame. There was a book written called The Blue Zones by Dan Butner, and then Oprah Winfrey featured The Blue Zones and Dan Butner when she still had Oprah, uh, which still had the show um, as we know it. Um, and so this whole discussion around longevity is is growing. But what, what Channel 7 did was they went to Ikaria, and that was a really great piece. But what I found interesting was he then went on uh, a fast, but it wasn't like a, 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 I don't know, I don't think you'd call it a whole foods fast. <laughs> yeah, it, there might have, you know, I, I can't judge it too much because I don't know too much about the fast, but it didn't look like the most intelligent fast. Um, but again, I don't want to make a judgment on it. But it was the third part of the story, which was, I suppose, concerning because it came back to that very nature that, again, human beings are trying to find this silver bullet. And it was talking about the diabetes drug metformin as possibly being the the greatest anti-aging pill that that you know we might have have at hand and it was talking about you know 30% reductions in cancer and 30% reductions in i think heart disease and we don't have to change our lifestyle we don't yeah. have to look at our you know our relationships or our social life or our job fulfillment or the way we move our bodies but if we just take metformin then we reduce you know all of these risks by 30% and i just i get a bit frustrated that you know society and again being a journalist by profession i still look at the media going guys like we have more of a role to play than yeah. just um feeding people's kind of you know we all have a, 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 a it's almost like an inborn desire to make things happen more quickly we talk about yeah. them almost as hacks today um we we're talking about this off air that you know many people are still looking for hacks the fountain of youth being one of them if i could just take a pill to look 10 years younger or feel 10 years younger or not die of these diseases and the rest but um it's interesting that we're still looking and we've been around for god knows how long um I just, I just kind of, you know, feel that it's, it's about time we, we stop looking and just enjoy life for what it is and fall in love with getting older. Have a, have a real love for being alive right now. I mean, we were talking about, you know, we won't talk about the details, but talking about the first world problems that we experienced, <laughs> Steph. You know, and we love first world problems because they're first world problems. Um, they're not. They're not other world problems, and sometimes we just lose sight of the fact that just being alive right now, whether we're in our 20s, we don't have to be scared of turning 30. If we're in our 30s, we don't have to be scared of turning 40, and same, you know, so on and so forth. We're not over the hill when we're 50 and 60 and the rest. If we can just fall in love with our life at the age that we're at, we don't have to go around looking for a fountain of youth. Yeah. So I'll ask you in a minute if that's what you think the secret in um, Ikaria. You say it much better than I do. But um, <laughs> I do want to just speak to the program because, you know, it's on Sunday night, it's almost like um, it was very unsubtly sponsored by a big pharma, which is the problem yeah. that we've faced in the developed world for, you know, at least 50 years that you see, unfortunately, the demographics that watch that show, the one takeaway becomes that there's a, that there's a drug that they can take. And it's the think- last part of the story and everyone remembers the last <laughs> part of the story. No one would yeah. remember what that little Greek island's called and they no. wouldn't even know that it's a Greek island. It's like just some place. But you're right. Look, we're not going to be conspiracy theorists, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> oh, <I will. laughs> if Big Pharma may have said, look, we might fund your trip and fund your expenses mm. and a few other things. Do you just sneak this little angle in at the end, you know? Yeah, it's, it um, is fascinating. Look, and 
two sides to it, obviously. I think it's good that the conversation started, but, you know, clearly we need to prioritize what's in our hands first. So as you say, those key areas, it's not just nutrition. I know you talk about obviously career fulfillment, social life, financial wisdom, sense of self, and, you know, it, it has to be multifactorial. Well, let, let's call the elephant in the room. I haven't actually mm. asked you about this. I'd love your opinion, though. Okay. But um, the all of the research, as concerning as it is, and, and most of it uh, being anecdotal, but plenty of scientific research as well, is that all of the diets around the world and all of the environments that people live in and therefore the food that they eat all varies dramatically. Mm. What doesn't vary is that all of them move their bodies, mm. all of them. And so Ikaria, as an example, is a hilly Greek island. There's not a patch of flat land on there. They don't have any um, care for cars. There was one BMW on Ikaria when we went there in 2016, one BMW which was purchased by an American who had retired on the island that thought, oh, I wouldn't mind getting around a BMW. You realized very quickly that it really served no purpose because mm. no one else had a BMW and no one cared yeah. for the car, right? All of them just used cars as very much an A to B. There's no public transport on the island. So even if you want to get somewhere – most of the time, you would still walk. Mm. Um, everyone, uh, wine that is drunk on the island is drunk. It, it, it's almost like a part of the culture that you grow your own wine, which means you're harvesting your own grapes, which means you're on the land. You make your own olive oil. I say all of this just to say that they move their bodies. Yeah. And it's not because it's a luxury, whereas in our culture, movement is a luxury because we don't have to. On their, in their, on their island, they have to move in order to live they have to move. Yeah. One of the one of the houses we visited with an 80, they've been married for over 60 years, Joanna uh, and Yanni, the only things they bought, Steph, were coffee and flour. Mm. Everything else was self-sufficient and it wasn't like they were on 100 acres. You know, they're just literally on a hill, right? But they're moving their bodies and that is the thing and particularly whilst we're on the real food reel. If I can just say one thing, we, we've got to be less obsessed with food and more obsessed with movement. And I say mm. I use the word obsessed lightly. We have to have more of a value on movement and less of a value on food. And I, I'm pr probably guessing that most people listening to this podcast do highly value movement. Um, but most of society, they value food more than movement. And um, no use putting – Great fuel in the car. If you don't move the car, you're still, you know. Totally. That's my little rant. No, I agree. I mean, you've got to look at the common denominators. 80% less dementia is mm -hmm. significant, right? And this is your stat, so um, I don't want to take credit for it, but you say that um, Prof. Michael Woodward, Woodward, I believe it is, from yep. the Alzheimer's Australia board. He works at Austin Health in Melbourne. He'd be a great interview too. Yeah, fascinating. So he states that, Sufficient physical activity pre prevents 42% of all dementia. I mean, and if dementia was a country, it would be the 18th largest country in the world based on GDP as in how much is spent and we could eradicate that by 42% mm. if we all – and when we're talking sufficient physical activity, like in medical terms, that's 30 minutes a day mm. of something as small as walking. Yeah. So imagine if we're actually actually doing a bit of anaerobic exercise as well, maybe some flexibility on top of the aerobic. I mean, far out. You know, I think that, that number could be even higher than 42%, but that's a lot. And people's lives, the worst thing that people die of, if you ask them, is dementia because not just the way oh. that they end their lives, which is so undignified, but the family Tragic. that end up having mm. to look after them and see that end of life. Life's not meant to end in such an undignified manner. Mm, I'm with you. Absolutely. And to think that there's this amazing natural 
well, I don't want to say cure, but definitely a preventative treatment. Massive preventative. Yeah. Well, if, 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 if the cure is prevention, then yeah. exercise is the cure, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah. well, a big part of it. And the other two factors, as uh, Professor Woodward speaks about, is social engagement. Mm. So the big three things for an exceptional long life in all of my research is if you want a great long life, you got to do what you love and love what you do. Mm-hmm. And that could be whether you're a farmer or a cleaner, an accountant, a lawyer, a nutritionist, a podcaster, it doesn't matter. In your nine to five, you want to be enjoying yep. what you're doing. And Mm. moving your body and socially engaging. And they are pretty much the three factors that that medical research shows are the major preventers of dementia. Yeah. Yeah, pretty simple really. But obviously we've lost our way. I think, you know, what I find really fascinating and and you might be similar because you've been around the wellness space for – Probably longer than I have, but I, I feel I like about the same time. yeah. <laughs> when did you when when did when did you start going? When did you start studying nutrition? Oh, well, studying was 2011, but oh, I've been I've been obsessed since I was a teenager. So it depends <laughs> yeah. on. Well, then when I you went in longer than I have. <laughs> I'm a late bloomer. You know, random story, but I've got this memory of my sister and I used to get the girlfriend and Dolly magazines. We were that young. Yeah. We were probably literally like. 13 and I, I used to this is reading me Dolly Doctor. <laughs> yeah, Dolly Doctor, but I used to cut out all of the little snippets on health and wellness and I created a scrapbook. I was that obsessed and then I'd That's get my awesome. sister's magazine. She had Dolly, I had girlfriend, and I just used to just like put it into this scrapbook. Back then scrapbooks were cool. It then became like a little Simply wallet. It was just crazy. I was just so into it even at such a young age. Anyway, I, I love that story. Share yes. that more. Yeah, I've never actually spoken about that on the podcast. So there you go. When guys. you do your first TED talk, that's the intro. I know. I've been into this totally, forever. totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where were we? So yeah, I agree with you. I think um, what I was going to say is that you know, with that, with the huge real food movement and physical movement um, boom that we've seen, I do feel like we're starting to find our way again, but. It's unfortunate that we've got, you know, maybe five decades to reverse. So there are generations, unfortunately, and and not mine, but the ones before that um, were pretty much, you know, exposed to that lack of knowledge or maybe the vested interest of Big Pharma or whatever it was that it is really unfortunate that we've seen such a prevalence in things like dementia, cancer and heart disease, which we are now showing are very preventable. Well, I think what will be interesting is, you know, our generation, well, so the research suggests that dementia can take between 20 and 50 years to develop in the body until diagnosis. Mm. So it's the most unurgent thing ever. Like what you do today in your 30s, if you start moving now and you're not moving currently, well, then that can be the prevention that in 30 to 40 to 50 years time, it's a diagnosis you don't get because Mm -hmm. you actually keep movement in your lifestyle, so to mm-hmm. speak. But what I find interesting is I reckon our generation, you know, I'm 35, but I reckon our generation is the generation that is so used, we have grown up where we can sit all day long. Oh, you know, we can mm. sit in the car, we can sit at work, we can sit at home, whereas, say, baby boomers are probably a bit more used to moving around. They're a bit more, even around the house, they might be a bit more active, not everyone. And again, it's hard to make sweeping statements of generations. But I wonder what, what will happen in the next next 30 or 40 years because that'll be our generation that's getting older and what will the stats be like then because it really points back to the decisions that we made in our 20s and 30s and 40s because mm. a lot of people even with sport you know they might they might play sport into their 20s or their 30s but then they say they might start having 
kids and all the rest of it. And then they start moving less and all of a sudden they stop moving and Mm. the weight packs on, movement doesn't become part of their own individual culture then they really become the walking statistic and it's like, you know, when does the paradigm shift on a society-based level. I don't know if it ever will, but what, what the, 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 the interesting side of it is, though, Steph, is that it gives people like you and I a major purpose that we mm. feel so strongly for because the problem is so big that we want to be part of a solution that is multifactorial but requires a hell of a lot of teamwork and collaboration because uh, if we all go about it individually, it's really hard, you know. So it's interesting, you know, problem, solution, problem, solution, but without the major problem, we, as um, the, the work that, people like you and I do, we could not be part of the solution. Yeah, and I think about that a lot with my parents and my dad doesn't listen to the show so I'm going to talk about him and hopefully he, he will forgive me <laughs> so for I it. I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think my dad's still trying to work out what a podcast is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But he, um, he, you know, definitely lost his way and got to the point where he had to have quadruple bypass surgery which is obviously very major and um, we were very grateful that he was obviously still around. Um but he was obviously um, in the care of, of doctors that thought that, you know, high cholesterol was the end of the world as we know it. And he was on statin drugs for a very long time um, and had a lot of um, side effects, including um, significant muscle pain, which we know that comes from the CoQ10 depletion. And it took me, I reckon it took me 10 years of practicing before I got him to come around and look at the new model of, um, you know, cardiovascular disease and the effect that inflammation has and how you can control that with nutrition and exercise and lifestyle and you know you don't want to take a decade to learn that what you've known for your life was actually part of the problem and I find that really I personally would find it really challenging to be in my 70s and to think um if only I knew what I know now 10 20 30 years ago and you, you can't you know you can't get that time back and I think it's also the good old, um, well, a couple of things there. Family's always the hardest, right? Because for your dad, you know, it's his little girl his that's daughter. talking to him. Yeah, totally. You know, mm. it's family. I know my wife Sarah finds that, you know, with Cairo, it's just, oh, I felt like she'd beaten her head against the wall, um, which I'm sure you can. Um, <laughs> I can definitely um, relate to that. Relate yes. to that one. Um, but the other thing is, is that the good old to know and not to do is not really to know. And as you mm-hmm. said, we don't want to get into our 70s and go, well, I heard it then. You know, I saw that story or I heard about this, but I never did anything about it. Yeah. And a lot of these chronic diseases are, in my mind, you know, the universe's great wake-up calls that used to be whispers and then they became, you know, talking volume and then they started mm-hmm. yelling and then, you know, chronic disease is like the biggest scream of all time, in my mind, mm-hmm. in terms of feedback as to what we've been listening or not listening to in terms of bodily feedback. So, you know, it, it's... It's hard. I think family are one of the great personal growth courses yeah. going out there, um, involving and, and being with family because you always get you know you get opposite paradigms, opposite sets of behaviours, but without getting too deep and meaningful, that's where unconditional love comes in, isn't it? That's when yeah. we can love people for who they are, not what they do. Because if we judge people on what they did, um, there'd be even less love in the world because you know everyone that does it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, 
but there's no doubt, yeah, family are our greatest teachers. Yeah, definitely. And it's fascinating for the next generation and the generation after that as to how things are going to be so different now. There's so much more awareness and, you know, just on that inflammation conversation, I was thinking more back to Ikaria. Like, what are your thoughts around um, the lifestyle side of things as well? Like, obviously, I'm in Melbourne. There's 40,000 BMWs when you just walk down the street in Brighton. Um, There's traffic, there's, there's schedules and stress and all the rest. And I can imagine that that that's very opposite to the Greek islands. So what are well, your thoughts yeah, around I mean, the, that and longevity? Well, the first thing is they don't wear watches and they have mm. no respect for time on mm. your career. So you're never really late for anything. So <laughs> oh, it I'd does. Do, I'd it, go it, well there. <laughs> oh, seriously, our great mate Damien Christoph took a good 24 hours to adjust yeah. because when you go to order a coffee and I know where you are in Brighton, I know, you know, Damo goes to St. Martin's he for does. a coffee mm. and he'll get it in a minute, literally a minute. Mm. Mm. Uh, one, they know him. They know what he drinks. As soon as he walks through the door, it's been made. Now, in Ikaria, you go, I'd like a coffee. And they'll go, oh, great, what's your name and where you're from and how are you finding it in here in Ikaria? And you'll start talking for 10 or 15 minutes and you're starting to get a little bit tense. And then they'll go, oh, your coffee, I better go and order that for you. And they'll go and order the coffee for you and then it might take them another five or 10 minutes to make. And half an hour later, you go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you know the whole concept of time, you realize when you come to a place like Ikaria, how 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 much our mind is almost like addicted to time. If we don't know the time, mm. we become um, frazzled almost. So mm. the big thing for me when I came back was it, now it's very hard for me to know the time. Right now, I have no idea what the time is. It's not on my MacBook. My phone is turned upside down. I took all the clocks out of the house when I came back. Granted, there was just one clock. But because here's the deal. It's rhythm or routine. Rhythm or routine. Routine is very much clock based. So the routine mm-hmm. is I do this at seven, this at eight, this at nine. I'm now living my life more on rhythm. It's like I exercise when I wake up. Yeah. Granted, I still have an alarm on my phone because there's consequences if you've got kids that go to school, which mm-hmm. I do. You can't be late, la la la. But the rhythm of the day is more important to me than the routine of the day. Because if we just live by the routine of the day, then we end up going, I don't have time. I don't have time to see my friends. I don't have time to catch up with my mum. I don't have time to call my dad. It's like, really? It's not about whether you have time or not. It's all a values decision. It's, you know what, it's actually more important. When we go, I don't have time to call my mum, what we're really saying is it's more important for me to have that meeting or see that client or go and do yoga than call my mum. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm. And so the whole concept of time was rocked for Damien and myself and, and the attendees in 2016. So that's the first thing. They don't, they don't do time in a career. Their mantra is uh, just do it tomorrow. There's the, they, <laughs> they make fun of it. Oh, they've, got the Nike, they've got the Nike tick. And just do it, and then they've got like tomorrow in like Ikaria. Hilarious. Uh, you know, so that's a really – and that, that mucks with your mind, particularly yeah. when you come home and you're, and you're living back in Melbourne or wherever you live mm. because, you know, you, you want to take a bit of Ikaria back with you. But, you know, and Damo would be a great chat on this because he does live in Melbourne just up mm. the road from where you are and lives in a time-based world. Yeah. Um, Byron's a bit different. We have Byron time up here. So yep. it's a little bit different. Um, but, um, yeah, time's a big thing. The other one is is movement, which we've spoken about. Mm. They move everywhere. Uh, they walk everywhere. So all of their exercise is incidental. Damo and I went for a run one morning. They couldn't quite gather why we went for a run because if they're going to move, it's always, you know, to incidental. catch up with a friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's always incidental. It's not like I'm going to go walk 
because I want to walk. They're going to walk because I'm going to catch up with a friend or go to a Panagetti. They have these local festivals which start, you know, a nighttime one could start at four or five in the afternoon and go till five or six the next morning and they're still dancing. But the interesting thing is, and, and the parents listening to this will freak out, the kids might be finishing up at two in the morning. Right. They have no concept for time. They don't worry about routine. They just worry about rhythm. It's like the kids are having fun. The kids are um, with their family. They're safe. Um, they don't have the same level of structure, I suppose. Mm. But they're, they're more they're more focused on culture, friendships, relationships, being with people. They're really not worried about the time. They're all about ceremony. Ceremony around food. So breakfast is always normally is eating with other people. They're not worried about what time it is. They'll eat breakfast with that person, normally maybe a spouse or a family member. And when they finish breakfast, then they'll go to work. Mm. They don't necessarily look at the clock and go, oh, it's quarter to nine. I better go. Yeah. They'll just stay. And that, and that might seem like a subtle shift, but it's a massive paradigm shift. So then it's like, okay, when we come home, it's like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this meal with this person from start to end, mm. you know, rather than go, I've got to go because of the time. Um, other little things, the way they serve their meals is family style. So, you know, if you and I are going to have dinner, Steph, we're going to actually put all of the food on a platter and I'm going to pick what I want and you're going to pick what you want rather than kind of serving you up what I think you want. Yeah, right. That's a really interesting one with kids because a lot of parents are like, oh, I'll serve my kids up what I think they should have. But then, you know what, maybe your kids have been burning it really and so they want to, they want some good fat. So maybe instead of getting the chicken breast, maybe they'll just innately get the chicken leg. Right. And that might seem really, again, subtle, but that's a big shift when you give your kids the independence and, and adults as well mm. when you let them choose what they want. And some people go, oh, but they're just going to get all the bread or all the potatoes or whatever. But you might want to reconsider that because if you raise your children and educate them around healthy food and all the rest of it, then I think it's pretty amazing seeing, you know, what the kids go for. Oh, especially uh, if they are, um, aren't addicted to sugar and refined carbohydrates and they have the ability to be more intuitive for sure. Yeah. And if you're not serving up refined carbohydrates on the on the on the table, and you can go, look, guys, have whatever you want, mm. and you know it's all healthy. Some days they're going to be more carb heavy. Some days they're going to be more protein heavy. Some days they're just going to want they're going to want a whole avocado, not just a little bit of avocado. Yeah. You know, I think it's just a bit more intuitive. Rather, again, it's very unstructured, far more intuitive. Granted, they have less consequences over there. So. The whole lifestyle is different, but the, my whole, you know, reason why I invite people, Damo and I going back there in 2018, is to go, you know what, it'll muck with your mind, but in the best possible way, it will absolutely shift the way you think about the world. And again, you can't, as Demartini says, you can't put your hand in a pot of glue without some of it sticking. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing is we can't recreate Ikaria in Melbourne or in other parts of Australia, but we can recreate many, many parts of it in our lifestyle. One of the attendees decided she would stop driving the seven Ks to work and she would actually walk. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. That's going to take her a good two hours in the morning. Mm. But she, And she might get a public uh, – she might get a train or tram home. But these are subtle shifts that make a big difference. She's got more time to herself. She's listening to podcasts while she's walking. She's enjoying the different pace of her day rather than kind of like rushing off to mm -hmm. work. Um, subtle shifts that make a big difference, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Especially that, again, that's more incidental rather than it being, you know, I think st stressful to kind of rush and squeeze it in like you were talking about your experience um, 
which we can touch on with your dabble in endurance training. And it yes. becomes it, you know, it becomes quite a juggle, which takes away the, the love and the enjoyment for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, mm. I did dabble with, uh, I wanted to do the 2010 half Ironman in Shepparton and our daughter Maya was born on uh, January 1 of that year. And so it seems silly that we'd had a baby on the first day of the year and probably about two weeks later, I decided I was going to do Shepparton half Ironman. And hindsight is ridiculous, but I was late for every swimming session. The group rides I would do, I'd be late for. Um, if I was running with someone else, you know, I just, everything was rushed. And then two weeks before, that half Ironman, I fell off my bike in an innocuous fall. A car didn't see me. I put my brakes on. It was Moon Cup day. It was a bit uh, drizzly. I slipped over at about 20 k's an hour maybe and I mm. broke my humeral head and dislocated my shoulder. And um, it was it was a it was a big injury but but an even bigger lesson. Just yeah. don't take things on at the mm. wrong time. Like training for a triathlon is a great idea but uh, right action, wrong time of mm. my life. Um, and, and I was very much living a time-based life at that point. And, um, you know, I don't think we all need those types of accidents to have the wake-up calls. No. But I think, you know, I definitely think, you know, what, it's a big reason why people, you know, do come to Ikaria is they realize they've become so obsessed with time and they, they, they realize they actually want to um, totally shift their philosophy around the way they live their life. And yeah. knowing that it has benefits like living a greater – um, quantity of life with more quality of life because I don't I, I mean I'm sure you're the same I don't, I don't want to get to 90 or 100 with uh, dementia or morbidity like diabetes or heart disease like the people that I want to learn from are the people like the Icarians that are you know in their 90s and 100s and they're still got all their faculties they're moving strong they've got muscles like they're literally strong human beings stronger than many people in their 20s and 30s um, and they've got a quality of life that many people um, can only wish for. Yeah, amazing. So tell us what you're up to in um, 2018. Well, it's a, 2018 Ikaria. It's a 10-day mm. trip, so it's not a small just piece. It's actually living with the Ikareans. My mm. whole thing is, and I know you and I have spoken briefly about travels, but I can't stand. I've been on one tour in my life. It was to um, it, it was to Ikaria. It was to Turkey to to Gallipoli. And when you're part of a tour group, like you know the tour group where they've kind of got the umbrella <laughs> and they're like, follow me. It's like yeah. it's a little bit ah. Uh. So this is not a tour. This is an immersion. It's like we're living in a little village called Nas, and 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 Thea Padikos, who was featured on the the recent Channel Seven story and also on Channel. Channel 9, 60 Minutes a couple of years ago. And whenever um, any of the big, uh, you know, CNN or NBC, they'll always stay at Thayer's because she's an American who has an Ikarian father. She's married to an Ikarian. Um, she, so she's a really good bridge because she knows our Western culture, but she also knows Ikaria back to front. So mm. when it, uh, anyone with a longevity focus will stay at Thayer's. Um, Thayer's Inn and then Thayer's Restaurant serves all the traditional food. So that's a really good bridge for people like us coming from, say, Australia. We still get that ease of access in terms of the language. But then Thayer helps us immerse ourselves in the Ikarian lifestyle. We spend our time with the with the Ikareans who are aging gracefully we go on the land with them we pick strawberries we 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 get we farm for lemons we 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 milk goats we prepare food we live their life we don't just kind of look at them and go look what they're doing over there that's what they do (laughs) that is so true yep 
God, I mean, look, let's get our hands dirty and this and actually feel it for yourself, mm. not just not just understand. Because everyone that's coming, like at the time of, that we record this, ten people have registered. We've got ten spots left. I think we've only been um, promoting it for maybe a week to ten days, mm. but we we actually live it. We don't go. Isn't this a good idea? We go. Feel it for yourself to live this lifestyle, so that and and come to a local festival, the Panagetti, and dance, dance with people that yeah. have got sweaty armpits and they smell, and you don't know them, and they can't speak English, but they look at you in their eyes with love and joy, and you feel those those feelings of love and joy. And then maybe when you go home, you find yourself being nicer to strangers. You cultivate stronger relationships with your family and your friends and your colleagues because you felt what that that connection is like and you want to connect with people on a deeper level than maybe what you have been. Um, so it's not just an intellectual trip. It's a real immersion so mm-hmm. that people generally come home going, I am going to make the rest of my life the best of my life. I've experienced life on this island where they live longer than anyone else and I want to do my best to create that for myself. Yeah, it looks absolutely phenomenal. So all the information is at 100notout.com and obviously those links will be in the show notes so if anyone's interested in learning about more sorry learning more or joining you on the immersion in 2018 i encourage them to quickly secure their place because i'm sure it's going to sell out yeah yeah no that's the thing we want to keep it intimate because any more Mm. than 20 so it's, it's run by dame and myself we think one to ten is a um is a nice number. In in 2016, we had 13. We, again, we hardly well, – that was pretty much just talking about it on our podcast. Um, that was a really good group and we decided then we made a commitment pretty much to that group. We will never go beyond 20 people mm. because it just changes the dynamics. And the way Icaria is, it's a very sociable place and mm. uh, we've got a mix of people coming already. It's by application only, so we want to make sure we get the right – group in but it only takes two minutes to apply but we want to get the right group because some people that are coming are introverts they know they're there and they want to socialize but they know they're not natural extroverts so to speak uh we really want to have a group there that it doesn't matter if you're the life of the party or you're a keen introvert we just want people that are there to play full out to actually live this lifestyle um you can't really hide in the corner when you're a group of 20 you're actually going to be there and truly live this experience with us and the interesting thing is steph that as longevity becomes a more of a conversation around the world those people that have attained longevity are less and less um they, they want to talk about it less. So on Ikaria, they feel like that the more popular longevity has become and the more people coming on their tour groups looking for this secret, this 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 pill that they're mysteriously having every morning that no one can see, they almost feel like it's become um, a jinx on the island. And so it's been fortunate for us that we have relationships now on that island where we we go to a select group of people that are really happy because I have a lot of trust now. We've developed trust on that island. We're We're not going there going, excuse me, sir, what is your secret to longevity? We're actually coming and going, all right, let's live with these people and observe them and come up with our own conclusions. Because did you know there's a there's a woman in Ikaria who lives in a little village called Evdalos, and she actually drinks Coca-Cola every day, and she says her secret is Coca-Cola. Oh, and then you go to someone else <laughs> and who is 100. He's been smoking for over 80 years, and he eats cake, and he uh, drinks wine, and he moves his body regularly, and someone says – what should shouldn't you stop smoking? And he's like, Well, I'm in pretty good nick. And it's not about finding one answer for what's going to create a great long life. It's actually for observing a lifestyle that you can replicate no matter where you live, 
when you come home. And that's what most of us have forgotten. We've forgotten that we write the script of our life. We write the script of our lifestyle. And many people have just, they're trying to, they're on social media trying to live everyone else's lifestyle yeah. instead of cultivating their own. But I know I'm raving and ranting, but as you can tell, I kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, your your you know enthusiasm is just infectious, and I think it would be an amazing experience for anyone to experience firsthand. Um, and we're really thankful for you sharing all your knowledge on a career as well. I find it a fascinating topic, and I'm sure it's um, been far more educational than unfortunately the way. Sunday night went with their little expedition. <laughs> a little bit foreman. Well, I just want to say because I know we're wrapping up. You know, kudos to you, um, Steph Lowe, Soon to be. Oh yeah, what? what are you, you going to be Steph Northeast? Ooh, I am. How can I say no? Yeah. I love the name Northeast. It's like the it's world's so best last good. name. Yeah, it's so awesome. And you know what? You'll get so many questions. It's such a fascinating surname. I love a good exotic name. But um, Steph Lowe, soon to be Northeast, you've been <laughs> remarkable for not just the wellness couch, but like we said earlier, that society has a major problem and 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 there is a solution out there, but it requires a lot of people. And, um, you know, I know, you know, because uh, it's one of the perks of being CEO of the couch, I do get to look at everyone's download stats. I see all of the reports <laughs> and I look at how much you have grown, which for me just goes to show how much you have grown in your impact on society and just as, as another human being from one to another, I just want to thank you for the impact that you're having on society because uh, without people like you, we would not be able to solve the problems that we have. So thanks for what you've done, Steph Lowe, um, for humanity. Thank you. That's so kind of you, but I am blessed to do what I do. And I'm a big believer on the, you know, do what you love, love what you do. I think that's an absolute mantra to live by and I'm very grateful to be able to do that every day. <laughs> uh, you've done a great job of doing it too. Thank you. It's been awesome to have you on the show, no doubt the first of many. Um, so I'll direct our listeners to the show notes to learn more about you and obviously it's 100notout.com. And Absolutely. it's been, yeah, great to have you on The Real Food, Real Marcus. Oh, thanks for having me, Steph. You're a joy. Cheers. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.